Lindsay. I'm Austin. And I'm Joe from Pop X Cast. A podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. And get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today we have got a lot to talk about. We have got some cube, cubing to talk about. Cube, cubing, cubist, a magic cubist, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And then I want to talk about some standard. I brought my Grixis control to FNM and I got to say, I fucking love that deck. Holy shit. Had so much fun with that deck. Um, it's my new favorite deck of standard right now. And I will go over the deck list and some changes I made as well as the matchups I had with it and what I felt about the deck as far as it goes all together. And then we've got some D&D to talk about. We've got the D&D session discussion and then I'm going to talk about plane shift zendikar yes you or not you but also anybody can play DD in the planes of magic the gathering and i mean even though you could always do that before but wizards of the coast specifically releases modules now for their planes starting with zendikar and i'm gonna go over it and some of the changes and you know adaptations you may have to make um, I know I've discussed it before in the podcast, but I want to go over Zendikar first, and then we'll probably go over the next planes after that. Then we've got some Q&A, and, but before we get into all that awesome fun, let's roll into some ads here, all right? Jazzy, what does the calculator say about the shipping costs? It's over $9! What, $9? There's no way that could be right. At LegitMTG.com, we don't charge shipping for any order over $2 or more. We're not like those other guys who make you spend an arm and a leg to get free shipping. Come on down to LegitMTG.com for all your magic needs and be sure to get that free shipping special. That's LegitMTG.com. Visit today. So your father's a nerd. Unfortunately, there's no player's guide to raising a family, but this podcast is meant to be a family's guide to nerdism. Join us, Alec and Zuby, as we go in depth as to what it's like to raising a family of nerdlings and the adventures and hardships of fatherhood. We dive deep into our favorite nerd topics and talk to you about how it's related to raising a family. You can find So Your Father's a Nerd on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! All right, everybody, so let's just get right into it. All right, so 
I haven't played my Magic Cube lately, not since I played it with George, but I've been slowly but surely trying to really figure out what I want to add to the next 180 cards for my cube. Right now it's 360, as most of you all know, and I'm trying to get it up to 540. And it's just a very slow process because I'm not, I'm one, not wanting to rush it, but two, I'm also taking my time with it. So I've decided before I was only going to add three cards each to the multicolored cards, meaning the guild colors, the two colors. Um, and there's 10 of those, by the way. And I decide, you know, let me add one more to each guild color, because when I looked at it, some of them, some of them felt good because I was trying to think of colors that not only sort of represent what they can do, but also sort of go with some of the archetypes I've already made for the 360 card cube, as well as to try to support what I eventually want out of the 180 cards as well. So these are the cards that I added to um, the multicolored, and I'm just going to go over them real quick. And oh, I did. Oh, well, I'll talk about what cards I did take out. So for Azorius, I added Azorius First Wing, which is white and a blue creature griffin, a 2-2, flying and has protection from enchantments. I feel like that is a good low-cost creature, and there are enchantments, you know, cast out and Oblivion Ring and stuff like that to be able to stop these kind of creatures, and this gives it protection. And if I do ever decide to do enchantment creatures in the cube which is still i'm still debating whether or not i want to do it this will also protect you against that as well so i figure that's a pretty good blue white card because the other blue white cards i have in there are already pretty strong right now so the next one is for red white that's boros so boros battle shaper creature minotaur soldier and at the beginning of each combat, up to one target creature attacks or blocks this creature, if able, and up to one target creature can't attack or block this combat. So, what I like about this card is it's not only sort of like a cantrip trick, trick up your opponent, it forces your opponent, well, it one, it forces your opponent to do something, and it's a pretty good 5-5 creature. Yes, it is 7 costing. And that is expensive, but in limited, it's not too bad. It's not the greatest, but if you're trying to go low to the ground and aggro and it does get to long game, this will help you in the long run here. So out of the Boros colors, I did end up taking a card out and replacing it with something else. And that was Aurelia, the war leader. I took her out because one, angels are freaking strong as hell enough as it is in this cube and i i really had to sit and think about if i added aurelia to the cube that would just make things ridiculous i mean even more ridiculous white would be even more op and i know mark from life begins at 20 keeps telling me white is op i know this but i am working on trying to balance out the colors um so what i did to replace aurelia in the new 180 is add Razia Boros Archangel, which is four colorless, two red, two white. So it's eight costing six, three that has flying vigilance and haste. You can tap it and the next three damage that would be dealt to target creature control this turn is dealt to another target creature instead. So it does give a nice little save your butt type card. I, I do like that in it. Um, 
So that, those were the Boros colors. The next one is Rakdos Black Red. And I added, I'm probably going to really mess up this name, Exava Rakdos Blood Witch, two colorless black and red. Legendary Creature Human Cleric has First Strike Haste, has Unleash, which kind of matches the colors. And each other creature you control with a 1-1 counter on it has Haste, which is really awesome. So there's definitely counters in white and green. So if you were to somehow go three colors and have this here, that's going to make it even better for you in the long run here. Um, really like this card. I think it's appropriately cat cast cost um has four you can make it a four four with first strike and haste um but can't block um really really good card i think really good limited card here and um so for orzov for white black i added ghost council of orzava which is a legendary creature spirit lord four four for four two white two black uh when ghost council of orzava comes into play target opponent loses one life and you gain one life so not a little extort feature there not too bad so if you sack a creature you pay one to sack a creature remove ghost council of orzava from play return it to play under its owner's control at end of turn so Sort of like the Ghost Council Obsidat, very similar to that. It's this is also good for if you have a, this is good for a sack outlet and you have ways to return creatures to the field. And you know, th this sort of it goes perfectly with that kind of flavor. Um, felt like it really represents what white black can do with the extort and the you know, bounce sack creatures, also. Uh, for red green, I had Gruel Rage Beast. Um, Cost seven, five colorless, a uh, red and a green. Whenever Ghoul Rage Beast or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that that creature fights target creature and opponent controls. So not bad, um, not the greatest card, but it does kind of represent that green red where you know something comes into the battlefield and you want it to fight something else. And with the way green has some ramping abilities, you'd be able to get this out pretty early if you manage to draft those cards as well. Um, so Golgari, which is black green, that was a color that when I looked at it, didn't really have anything that sort of represented what Golgari can do. I had Winding Constrictor, Abrupt Decay, and shit, what was the other one? And Gruul, or, um, or, or not Orza, uh, Golgari Charm. So Winding Constrictor, that's good because of the, the counter it can the counters it can do abrupt decay it being a really good kill spell that's uncounterable and Golgari charm with all the multifaceted abilities it has uh, so i wanted something that sort of represents what golgari can do and i feel that gerard golgari lichlord was perfect for this a zombie elf that costs two black and two green legendary creature gerard gets plus one plus one for each creature card in your graveyard and you can pay one black and a green to sack another creature each opponent's each opponent loses life equal to the sacrifice creature's power sacrifice a swamp in a forest return gerard from your graveyard to your hand so if you have ways of getting land back from your graveyard back to your hand that's awesome or you can just sack your land to get gerard back out on the field and this is really really good card and i can't wait to get it in the cube and see what shenanigans i can do with it so next is blue black, which is Demir, and I put in Lazav Demir Mastermind, which is a legendary creature shapeshifter. Has hexproof. It's a three three. Whenever a creature card is put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, you may have Lazav Demir Mastermind become a 
copy of that creature or copy of that card, except its name is still Lazav Demir Mastermind. It's a legendary in addition to its other types, and it gains hexproof and this ability. So that is pretty awesome right there. Um, really, really excited to see what kind of shenanigans I can make for that as well. Um, for Simic. It, which is green-blue, I put in Momir Vig, Simic Visionary. It's a 2-2 Elf Wizard for 5. Uh, three colorless, a green and white, or green and blue, I mean. Elf Wizard, whenever you play a green creature spell, you may search your library for a creature card and reveal it. If you do, shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. Whenever you play a blue creature spell, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a creature card, put that card into your hand. So it's a really good way, especially limited, to dig up your creatures, especially if you're playing a very creature-heavy limited deck, which most decks are. So, and then for Is It, you know, I thought a little bit long and hard, and I was really going between both Niv Mezits here, and I decided to and I decided to put my money down on Niv Mezit the Fire Mine, which is two colorless, two blue, and two red. It's a dragon wizard. It has it's a four four flyer, and whenever you draw a card, Niv Mezit the Fire Mine deals one damage to target creature or player, and you tap it to draw a card. Um, I already talked about Boros, and then last but not least, the last guild, Selesnia. Um, I already have some good cards in there that I thought, and I thought this would be a pretty good, um, possibly a blocker in a sense for these colors. And it does sort of match the theme of what's going since it's an elf archer. And so I put in Selesnia Sagittars or Sagittars, three colorless green and white. Uh, Selesnia Sagittars can block as though it had flying, so it has reach. And Selesnia Sagittars can block an additional creature. And it's a 2 5. So I figure that can make some interesting combat uh, situations at that point. Um, so I did take out the five gods. Uh, from Amonkhet here because I originally wanted to add him but then it mm, I, 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 I didn't care for him that much and as far as a limited standpoint like Hazaret could be good could be decent and Ronas is pretty good and limited all the others like Bantu or Kefnet or even Oketra just doesn't seem to be that great and limited you know um, I mean Oketra could be decent but eh you know, it, I'm just, I just took them out. I wasn't happy with it. And, um, the only other two cards that I'm putting in, I'm putting in Inquisition of Kozilek for black, which is target player reveals his or her hand. You choose an online card from it. We convert a mana cost three or less. That player discards that card. Um, could be a good sideboard card for the most part. And then I was been really impressed with this card and that's nimble, nimble obstructionist two colorless and a blue it's from hour of devastation which yeah i've put in a lot of hour devastation cards lately i've just been impressed with a lot of their limited capabilities it has flash flying it's a 3-1 bird wizard it has cycling for two and a blue when you cycle nimble obstruction is counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control so that may come that may become very important depending on what triggered or activated ability you want to counter um, surprisingly, it's better than you think. And um, that is pretty much it as far as my cube goes. Um, like I said, I haven't played it yet lately. And um, I'm just slowly but surely trying to figure out what 
other 180 cards I want to add. I've got 90 cards so far, and now I'm just trying to think of the next 90, but then these cards that I have may come and go. I may change my mind. Um, I'm, I'm also kind of waiting for Ixlaxon to see if there's anything else that's good I could possibly add, but we just got to wait and see here. So I went to FNM finally. It was a while since I've been there. Um, hell, been a while since I played any like kind of magic because it's just life. Life gets at you a little bit. And so I decided to take my Grixis control deck to FNM. And I was thinking, you know, oh, I'm not going to really do that great, you know, because it's whatever. You know, I, it's some janky jank that I came up with. And even though I did base it off some other Grixis control, I sort of made it into my own. And I know I've talked about the list already. So I want to talk about some of the matchups I had. Round one, I went up against Mono Red, and it was the Ramunap, Ramunap, Ramp. However the fuck you say that name? I don't know how to say it. Ramunap, 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 Red? I don't know. But whatever. However the hell you say that name. The new Mono Red deck that everybody's going crazy about. And that's what I played. And so that was against round one. And I thought I was going to die for sure. Um, game one, I was one for wanting him. Just whatever he played, I killed it immediately. Whatever he tried to play, counter. You know, one for one, just getting, being really lucky with the counters and kill spells. And um, so round one, I and then I eventually got Nicobolas out and then just kept controlling the whole game and he couldn't do anything. Round two... He got me down to two health, and I'm thinking, oh, great, well, this is going to end. And so then once he got me down to two health, it was once again, I was one for wanting him. I was countering, uh, killing his stuff, and then he, once I had control of the game, that was it. It was done and over with, and um, just slowly but surely got, killed him. Um, so that was a lot of fun, and I was surprised I won because when I saw it was mono red, I'm like, oh, this is going to be over quickly. But I held my own. Um, Nicobolus, holy crap, he is just fantastic. There were, I didn't do his plus two all the time, which, you know, you take from the other car, uh, person's deck. Whenever there was some times where my opponent would have two cards in hand, I'd just be like, all right, plus one, you're going to discard those because I don't trust you. You know, because I don't know what he's got. So just going to make you throw it away, even if they were lands. I don't care. Um, so that was fun. Uh, next round, I was up against Esper Cycle, which I didn't know was a deck. And that was a very strange uh, set of games. We went to three games. He, I think he, yeah, he won first game because he got that one black enchantment that whenever you cycle, you pay one and your opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So the whole time I'm just like, well, shit, how am I going to stop that? And then at one point in the game, he would just cycle, draw, cycle, draw, cycle, draw. And it's like, oh, my life is going slowly down and I can't do anything about it. <laughs> and I just died. And games two and three were game two was actually pretty fast in a sense. I got a, I got Dragon Master Outcast out and then just kept on getting dragons. And then I got Chandra Flamecaller out, which you know, that's way too much damage for him to deal with. And I was one for wanting him. Like every time he tried to play a creature, I'd counter it or kill it and, um, just go from there. So those were some really close games and they were a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that Esper cycle deck. I, I need to see if I can find a list for it or something. Cause that was just tons of fun. 
Um, the other game, or not other game, the other round was up against Is It Dynavolt Tower? And that those were some really hard hard fought games. Um, round one went to my opponent, and then round two I sideboarded in Dispossess, um, Chandra Flame Caller, um, was it Transgress the Mind and stuff like that to um one get rid of all his Dynavolt towers, but then he managed to get no no that was. No, I won game one very, very slowly. And then game two, he managed to get Chandra Torch of Defiance, and I could not deal with it in time. I, I had a bunch of counters in hand, but they were all essence scatters. But I didn't have, like, any, you know, oh, crap, anything to stop that Planeswalker. So um, that kind of sucked. So I lost that. And then game three was much of the same. He just burned me down really quickly. So that was my one loss of the night was against Is It Dynavolt Tower. And so then game four or round four, uh, I don't know why I keep calling them games. Uh, round four, the final round of the night was against Teamer Energy, which is basically like red green energy, but with blue splashed in. And I for sure thought I was going to lose because I saw this guy play another round and he just won super fast because once again, it's another aggro deck. Um, game one, it was very close. It was, you know, one for wanting him. Um, and you know, like every time you play a creature, I'd kill it or counter it. And so that was a pretty hard fought game. Game two, it was one, it was a very much a non game and I felt kind of bad for the guy. And we talked, we talked a little bit afterwards and, um, it game two, he just, he only, he had to mull down to five, I think, and had two lands in hand. And that's all he had for like all the rounds was just two lands. And he couldn't get anything out because when he did try to get something out with two lands, it was like, all right, counter. By the time he played a second or third creature, I was already, you know, five, six lands deep. And he he was just like, yeah, I'm going to scoop because it's just going to be because I was about to play Nicol Bolas. And once I do that, it's I control what you do at that point. So, yeah, at least that game, too, was kind of a non-game, and I felt a little bad, but it happens. It's magic. The, the guy wasn't salty at all. He's like, yeah, sucks, but, you know, he did make the right call for keeping a two-land a two hand at five because if he didn't want to go down to four. So he did make the right call. It's just magic will be magic sometimes and not give you what you need. So there were some changes I made to the deck after playing it that night and figured they will probably be changes for the better. Um, I had three sensor in the deck, and I went down to one, and I added two Supreme Will. Supreme Will being two colorless and a blue instant. Choose one counter target spell as its controller pays three, which is a mana leak, or it's an anticipate plus one. Look at the top four cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. So I figure that's going to be better in the long run than sensor. Um... I did have three Fatal Push, and I went down to one. Fatal Push seemed to be very, um, not as useful as I thought it would have been. I mean, it definitely helped in some games, don't get me wrong. It just wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And I put in two to the Slaughter, which surprisingly is a pretty damn good kill spell. 
Um, it costs two and a black. It's an instant target player sacrifices a creature or a planeswalker. And if you have delirium, they sacrifice a creature and a planeswalker. So this gets around, especially those energy decks with bristling hydra. If that's the only creature they have out, it's that gets around their hex proof. So I figure that's, that would be good to have. Um, and plus if there's any kind of big creatures out can sack that as well. Um, and then I went down, I had three hieroglyphic illuminations before and I went down to two and I added in one more abrade which is the one in a red instant choose one abrade deals three damage to target creature or destroy target I no 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 I know I kept the hieroglyphic illuminations I added the abrade and I took out one hour of devastation which which hour devastation is still really good I just feel like three is too many for this deck I feel like abrade is going to be better in the long run for me um, my sideboard changes that I did is I took out two, um, shit, what were they? They were the, um, no, I kept the dispossess. Um, I added in two torment of Hailfire. Yeah, it is a bit of a cheeky card, but you know what? I want to be cheeky with this deck. And if I can get away with doing this, it's, I'm going to do it. So, and I got rid of, what the hell did I get rid of again? Um, I got rid of something. I don't remember and put in the two torment of hailfire. Oh, oh, I remember what I got rid of. I got rid of the two Yehenny's expertise. It just turned out to be that card is just not useful for me. It's, I already have sweltering suns in the sideboard and I have, um, you know, hour of devastation. Yehenny's expertise is just never going to be any good for me, you know? So it's torment of hailfire, which, you know, can be used in the late game and, you know, make them sack things or discard cards or lose life, you know? So I am going with that and it's, I've ordered the cards. I don't think I'm going to have them by the time, um, F and M is out again or around again. So we'll just have to wait and see. And I will report again next time how this deck does. I am super excited about it. Um, can definitely be spruced up a bit. And for the most part, it is it's pretty much rotation proof. Um, you know, I am going to lose the to the slaughters and, you know, some of the land and stuff like that. And, you know, some sideboard, but, you know, with Ixlaxon coming out, who know it, there could be better cards in there. And, you know, I want to keep playing this Grixis control. This is the first time I've played control in a long time and, and have had this much fun. It, it almost kind of feels like I'm back playing blue black dragon control in a sense not really kind of but yeah sort of a little bit um great deck um i'll link in the show notes the deck list so you can definitely check it out and you know i do like updating this deck list so you'll you can see changes that i made as well too so um yeah that is grix's control in standard right now all right everybody so another week has passed and that means another D&D session was had. So Alec Al, and his wife Allie and my wife and I all played my D&D campaign the other night and we had, once again, tons of fun. Uh, so if you remember last time the party got out of that dungeon and they went back to their wagon after they freed the slaves and killed the alchemists and the minotaur, they went back to the wagon to you know, basically go back to town and all that stuff. And it turns out that their wagon was ransacked by kobolds because there's candle wax everywhere and kobold um, footprints. So 
Definitely the work of Kabolds. So they decide to follow the tracks and it heads north heads takes them about northeast to a farming town. Um shit, what did I call that town? Hey Elizabeth. Did I did I give that farming town a name? I don't fucking remember the name of it now. Um shit, I got I don't yeah, I don't remember the name at all, but so they go into the bar which I called the stinking pig. And Alec, who is a hill dwarf, sees a um, very fanciful dressed dwarf who wears a hat sort of like the the three musketeers wear, you know, with a feather in in its hat and and, um, hat, you know, wearing wearing clothes of green and gold and just all fancy, like it looks very rich. And he decides to bet Alec into a drinking game. So there's a whole drinking game going on. And um, Alec ends up winning the drinking game and gets some information from the barkeep about where the kobolds may have gone to. And so he sends them to Farmer Peanut. And Farmer Peanut oh, talks like this. Oh, 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 hi, guys, I'm Farmer Peanut. Oh. And according to everybody that said it sounded like um, Mickey Mouse. Oh, I forgot about the dwarf. The dwarf's name, the very rich dwarf, was called Rex Tillerson. And I know that's the current... United States Secretary of State and um, I only thought of the, I don't even know why I thought of that name but it was I guess I heard it on a podcast or somewhere or maybe read about it on the news or something and I'm just like his name's Rex uh, Rex Tillerson <laughs> just yeah I found it be pretty funny because I had no idea where that even came from it just popped up in my head and I, I was thinking of a theme song for Rex Tillerson because he is a compulsive gambler and a liar and likes to make up stories and so I was trying to think of you know a little theme song sort of goes like Rex Tillerson the greatest dwarf in all the lands Rex Tillerson he's the greatest dwarf you'll ever meet you know something stupid like that some little bar song but I like it so they um go and meet Farmer Peanut and um, get some horses from Farmer Peanut and they start following the going to where the kobold kobolds are and they have to cross a river and Anastasia, my wife, is smart enough to just freeze the river because it's too wide for them to just try to swim across for especially with the horses and it's too deep for the horses to cross to ford in. So Anastasia or Anastasia, however the hell you say it, um, freezes the river and then Dardic, Alec, tries to be all smarmy and, you know, he's going to dressage the horse or whatever. And I'm like, all right, roll for it. See if you do it. And he fails and slips and falls and, you know, busts his face. Um, So that was funny. And so then it's we we did start a little bit late and, you know, the drinking game did go on a little bit longer because there was a lot of role playing involved. This is a very role play heavy session. And so there was only one encounter. And towards the end, they fought three giant spiders on the way to finding the kobolds and ended up actually Anna Anastasia is the one who killed all three spiders. She ray of frost she killed two of them with ray of frost so they exploded into millions of ice pieces and then the third one she killed with magic missiles so i'm like all right there it's like an arcane explosion it just blows up 
and um, Rex Tillerson was following him the whole time and, you know, tells him like, oh, you've never heard of Rex Tillerson, eh, me lads? You know, w- there was this one time I, I tamed a beholder and or like the time he rode a dragon and all, he just coming up with crazy ass stories for him. And then it ends with Rex Tillerson um, taking him, leading him to where the kobolds are. And that was it. Like I said, it wasn't too long of a session. It was very roleplay heavy. It was a lot of fun. Um, can't wait to see what happens when they fight the kobolds as they took all their treasure and their couple thousand gold. So hopefully next week I will let you guys know about that. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, near the introduction that, um, Wizards of the Coast has recently come out, starting with Zendikar, have come out with what they call plane shifts for Magic the Gathering, for, that are based off Magic the, the, Magic the Gathering for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, basically what it is, it's a free PDF that they release to sort of help guide you into helping a DM or even players help create a campaign within that plane. So if you're really into Magic the Gathering like I am, and like many of you are, like many of my listeners are, and you're interested in D&D and maybe you want to campaign in Zendikar or Innistrad or Kaladesh or even Amonkhet, uh, Wizards of the Coast has these PDFs out there to sort of help you with that and sort of ma- help you understand what kind of races and creatures there are out there to um you know help you create a more believable campaign um it doesn't give you any stories or or any adventure hooks or plot points for your um campaign that for that you can either follow like loosely follow the story of that plane as it was for the cards or you know make up your own you know for something like zendikar they go into basically that, you know, Zendikar is a dangerous world of lethal risk and priceless rewards from the perspective of its inhabitants. It's a hostile place that seems to be actively trying to kill any creature that has the audacity to live there. The danger is unrelenting, precarious terrain, cunning predators and natural disasters on a massive scale. All present, all present a constant challenge to survival. So that's just how it sort of opens it up for you. Um, and it goes in really great detail about what Zendikar is and how the Eldrazi interact with it and all the, um, you know, ins and outs of it like that. So they'll go into, and this is what all the sort of plane ships do. They sort of go into, you know, really popular areas of the plane. So for Zendikar, for instance, there is the ruins of Zendikar, which is an ancient site ripe for exploration. So that way it can sort of help you think of, okay, maybe there's some underwater dungeons here or some, you know, caves that I can have my players explore or some ruins to check out and figure out what kind of treasure there is there too. Um, One of the things I even like doing in my other campaigns that I've done in the past is I'll use magic cards to either help me create monsters or even, you know, artifacts or, you know, enchantments, something similar to something like that. You know, I mean, if you really want, look at what the, look at the Zendikar and battle for Zendikar cards are out there and hey, maybe you look at it and oh, okay, cool. I can create this kind of treasure that's there. You know, hell, that could 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking at stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it just goes into areas of the world that are going to be around there. And, um, yeah, it's, it definitely gives you sort of like a foundation of the locations of where the campaign can take place. Um, one of the things I do like is they go into the races of Zendikar. So if you were to do like a complete Zendikar campaign, instead of your players going to the player's handbook for the races, they'd want to look here to this PDF. Um, obviously, Zendikar has humans and the human traits, um, it they look about the same as they would in the player's handbook from what I'm seeing. Yeah, the ability score increase, each increase by one. Um, alignment size, speed, languages. Yeah, that looks pretty much the same. Um, except languages, um, there are some other obscure dialects like vampire, elvish, um, merfolk, stuff like that. And um, so that seems to be the only slight difference I see with humans. Um, so then they have another race called Core. Core are sort of like these very pale skinned I don't I don't know they almost kind of look like Draenei from World of Warcraft but instead of blue they're very white and I mean like it's like they're painted white pretty much um that'd be the best way to describe what they look like at least to me um so core your dexterity score increases by two and your wisdom by one uh, they age the same as humans uh, size other oh, nearly six feet tall their speed is 30 feet and also have a climbing speed of 30 feet so that's cool they do have they're proficient in athletics and acrobatics they are lucky so you do get advantage on if you roll a one <laughs> on a for an attack roll ability check or saving throw um, they are brave they have advantage on saving throws against being frightened and then languages then there's also merfolk which is a pretty cool inclusion um oh well it looks like they have different kind of traits so it looks like you would almost okay okay so it looks like you would sort of choose um a subtype there looks like there's three subtypes it looks like so you would choose um sort of like dwarves and gnomes you just choose a sub race for it once you when you get all the traits down, uh, the sub races being uh, Amiria Wind Creed Merfolk, Ula Water Creed Merfolk, and Cozy Creed. No Merfolk will openly admit to following the Creed of the Trickster, but those who do view Kazi as an ally who can grant them control over the chaotic forces. So that sort of sounds like Drow Elf in a sense because they're sort of shunned from society, but that's cool. So yeah, they, so there are some little sub-races here. And then I think the last one... Oh wait, no, there's two more. There's vampires, which are... They're not undead on this world. So that's pretty cool. Um, so your ability score increases. Your intelligence increases by one and charisma by two, which that does make sense. Uh, for the alignment, vampires have no innate tendency toward evil, but consuming the life energy of other creatures often pushes them to that end. So, regardless of their moral bent, the strict hierarchies of their blood chiefs inclines them toward a lawful alignment. So that's pretty cool, and plus they have dark vision, and they have resistant to necrotic damage, 
and they have bloodthirst, which can drain light, blood and life energy from a willing creature or one that is grappled by you and can pass incapacitated or restrained. And they can read, write, common. They can read, speak, write, uh, common and vampire. So that's pretty neat. And then there's goblins here. Um, goblins seem to be the same as regular goblins from Volos uh, Monster Manual. I'm um, trying to see if there's anything different about them. No, not really. Um, oh, they, they do have tribes that you can belong to. So yeah, there is that difference, which they can belong to the Grotog tribe, which gives them proficiency in animal handling, the Lava Step tribe, which they have advantage on dexterity stealth checks made to hide in rockier subterranean environments, which that is pretty much everywhere in Zendikar. Um, and then the Tuk Tuk tribe, they have proficiency in thieves tools. And then this should be the last one, last but not least, elves. Um, uh, elves of Zendikar have much in common with the elves of other worlds. So, when you choose an elf, there are they're pretty much the same as elves from the player's handbook, but when the subrace is what's going to different. Uh, differentiate between it. There's the Tajuru, the Moldaya, and the Jaraga. Um, and then each of them have their own differences here. The, the, where is it? The Tajuru or Tajuru. I don't know how to say it. Uh, proficiency in, you gain proficiency in any combination of two skills or tools of your choice. And charisma score increases by one. Uh, Jiraga dexterity score increases by one. And they have the regular elf weapon training with long sword, short sword, short bow, and long bow. Ah, the base walking speed increases 35 feet, though. And then they have Mask of the Wild, which you can attempt to hide when you're only lightly obscured by foliage, heavy rain, falling snow, mist, or other natural phenomena. Then they have the Moldaya Nation, which strength score increases by one. Superior Dark Vision. Ooh, I like that. But they got Sunlight Sensitivity. These sound like um, Drow Elves, pretty much. Uh, Moldaya Magic, you know, the chill touch, chill touch cantrip. And when you reach third level, you can cast the hex spell once. Oh, shit. And then they have elf weapon training as well. So, damn, the Moldaya elves seem pretty badass, too. That's awesome. So, another cool thing that I like with this um, PDF is it gives you a bestiary, too, as to tell you what kind of monsters will show up. And you can use the monster manual or Volo's monster guide to, in order to determine, you know, the stats. Some of the monsters that don't show up in the monster manual are like Archons. Um, and they'll give you stats for those. Felidars, which are like giant cat creatures. Um, cat beast and this cat that keeps going up on my desk. I am going to kill this cat, Elizabeth. Um, and, you know, gives you stats for Felidars. Um, Sphinxes, Drakes, Krakens. Ooh, Krakens sound strong as hell. Um, they got an armor class of 16, which that's not bad. Uh, they have like 230 hit points, or you can roll 20d12 plus 100, speed of 30, strength of 29 plus 9, dex 14, constitution 20, intelligence 16, wisdom 18, charisma 18. Shit, they're amphibious. They have innate spell casting. They can multi-attack, of course. Uh, with their claw, they have plus 14 to hit. Holy fuck. 
And when they hit, it's either it's straight 30 or 66 plus 9 slashing damage. Fuck that. I wouldn't want to fight that shit. Uh, tentacles plus 14 to hit. One target is, again, 66 plus 9. And the target is grappled. And escape is a DC check of 17. Fuck that. Holy shit. And plus they have lightning strike. The Kraken hurls a magical lightning bolt at a point it can see within 500 feet of it. Each creature within 10 feet at that point must make a DC 17 dexterity saving throw taking 54 or 12 D8 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful. Holy shit. So yeah, it, it keeps going on to um, what the rest of the creatures are in the world. And it's, it's really cool. I definitely would recommend checking it even if you're not into DD. it's um it's also cool because it gives you some background on the plane itself and some more background on the monsters that reside there too even if you're not into the whole you know DD aspect of it i still recommend checking it out it's it's free to download and all you do is just go to a search engine and type in plane ship zendikar and it will show up right then and there all right, everybody, My one of my favorite new segments of the show, and that's Q&A time. Q&A, Q&A, Q&A. If you want a question to be answered, um, all you got to do is either send me a tweet or DM on Twitter. That's at MagicWithZuby. Or send it to me on Facebook, facebook.com slash MagicWithZuby. Or you can email me, mtgzuby at gmail.com, and ask me a question on there. Um, I love answering these questions and love hearing from all of you guys. So I've got some questions here tonight that I'm going to answer. First one from at Molly B. How do you like the tribes in Commander 2017? So the four tribes are cats, dragons, wizards, and vampires. Um, so far from what I've seen of the spoiled cards, definitely love um, the cats. Um, not only being a cat person myself, but I think the cat deck might also get my wife to play some more magic with me. She, but she doesn't know it yet. But may, Or maybe she does. I don't know. But the cats definitely look, look a lot of fun. Um, I think I'm most excited about the dragon one, though, because I did have a Scion of Ur-Dragon EDH deck at one point, but it felt kind of the same as everyone else. But that, that Ur-Dragon that I know I've talked about in episodes past when they were first leaked, definitely can't wait to finally get my hands on that and play it. Um, the Ur Dragon itself, that just looks ridiculously OP. So I'm so far I'm excited about all the tribes and can't wait to get my hands on the decks. Um, from Lazaric has asked me, what are my top five all-time favorite movies? Um, and I had to think about this for a little bit, but number five would be Forrest Gump. I have seen that movie way too many times, and I love it to death. I love um Tom Hanks. Uh, number four would be Shawshank Redemption. Once again, I've seen that movie way too many times. I love Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman in that really great movie. Um, it is long. It is very slow, and it's not the most action-packed movie, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, number three would probably be the first Back to the Future. Um, what, it's the best time travel movie around and the one of the best trilogies out there. So if obviously by now majority of people have seen it but if you haven't just go see it all right and number two is 
probably out of the three Lord of the Rings movies, Fellowship of the Ring is my favorite one. Um, and that's mainly because it is closest to the book as possible compared to the other three. If you want to hear me rant and rave more about Lord of the Rings, go listen to episode six and seven of So Your Father's a Nerd, or is it five and six? It's one of them. We we recorded for like four hours straight and had to split it into two episodes and talk all about Lord of the Rings, the movies and the books, so you can hear me talk about it more on there. And number one would be The Godfather. I have seen that movie so many times and I love it to death. It is one of the only times where the movie is better than the book because I remember I wanted to see The Godfather so bad, but my mom actually made me read the book first because she's like, no, 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 you need to read the book first before we go buy the movies and, you know, I let you watch them. So I'm like, okay, all right. So I read the book. It probably took me. I don't even remember how old I was. I was like 13, 14. It took me about a month to read the book. And, and so I really liked the book. Um, there were definitely some parts in there, like Johnny Fontaine and um, fuck Sonny's ex-lover. Those parts of the book, they, those were trash. Um, but the movie, holy shit, blew me away. The movie is just a thousand times better than the book and my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, Godfather 2, I do really like that movie, but Godfather 1, that's where it's at for me. So from Mark at Life Begins at 20, definitely check out his YouTube channel. When will you upgrade Shock to Lightning Bolt to help redden your cube against the OP white section? So, I am trying really hard to balance out the colors especially with these next 180 cards um i know i can easily add lightning bolt but i don't like the idea of it right now because it's a little bit too good in the cube um i have reduced the mana the converted mana costs of the burn spells I did get rid of the two highest casting burn spells and put in fiery temper and open fire. And I do have lightning strike in the cube as well, too. So I feel like red burn is a lot better right now. So and as far as white being OP, I agree. It's very strong, but. I'm working on trying to balance out the colors. And once I get the new 180 cards in and white still seems to be too strong and the other colors are still lacking, then I'm going to revisit it and nerf some white cards there. But I mean, I know that's it may take a while, but, you know, I'm not in any rush to, you know, really get this cube done. It's more it's more of a passion project than anything. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it when I do work on it. So there, that's your answer, Mark. Um, from Jess, what is your least favorite rule in magic? Um, what would be my least favorite rule in magic? Oh, shit. I don't know what my least favorite rule would be. Um, yeah, I may have to come back and answer that one because I don't know if I have one right now. I mean, I'm sure there are rules that I don't like at all that are dumb. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I had this question earlier in the day and I was thinking about it and I thought like, oh, maybe it'll come to me as I record. But yeah, I, I don't have one 
Honestly, it's like I'm sure there are some rules that I don't like, but off the top of my head, I don't know. Um, so the last question, I know that's not the answer you want to hear, Jess, but that's what I got. Um, the last question is from Abaddon. And what is your favorite and least favorite part about having a podcast? My favorite part is getting the creative juices out into the world because I like creating stuff and trying to be creative and, you know, growing up, I was always into really drawing and making comics and writing stories. Oh, I had so many story ideas and I, I've written books, um, you know, not published anything, but, you know, written books as kid, as a kid, written short stories and poems and all that stuff is I love writing. Um, I love music. It's, I, it, that's probably my favorite part and just doing a lot of the skits, which I know I need to go back and do some more skits. It's just, I have ideas for skits and plus I'm also still working on that magic musical. It's just time. Time is the hardest part of it. Um, my least favorite part about having a podcast is it's not the weekly trying to come up with topics and ideas because there's a lot of stuff I can talk about still. It's, um, my least favorite part is the amount of marketing you have to do and it it can get a little bit tiresome and I know I get lazy on the quote unquote advertising and marketing of the podcast but it's a lot of work and anyone who says otherwise either is lying to themselves or is just really really good at it and it's it's tough the amount of like tweeting I have to do and you know, predetermined tweets and trying to get episodes out there or, you know, market the episodes and make sure I post them in all the XYZ places. And, you know, I forget a lot of times like my YouTube channel, I think that thing's a complete afterthought. I mean, you're lucky if I get an episode posted up there, but, um, yeah, so that'd probably be my least favorite part of having a podcast. Other than that, I love it. I love doing it because it's just a lot of fun and I'm going to keep on going with it. Um, so that is all the questions for this week. Uh, thanks, everybody who wrote to me. Um, love it. Really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to some more. Really enjoying this um, Q&A segment here. And um, so that is the end of the show. Uh, Magic Wazubi, as I mentioned earlier, can be found on Twitter at Magic Wazubi, Facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi. I can be reached at Gmail, mtgzubi at gmail.com. And uh, let's see, I'm on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, the Gunna Geek Network at GunnaGeek.com, on PodcastRadioNetwork.net at now the time change to 9.30 p.m. every Tuesday. And... Um, Yeah, that is about it. All right, everybody. Um, Have a great night, all right?